Welcome to this episode of Blended, Blessed, and Always a Mess. I'm Eric. And I'm Angie. We are married with a ton of kids. We have six kids total. He has three and I have three. My name's Hallie and I love riding horses. I'm Lexi and I love agriculture. My name's Carter and I love eating. My name's Chase and I love lifting weights. My name's Summer and I love spending my parents' money. I'm Dane and I love baseball. Our show is about our blended, blessed, and always a mess life. And our hope is if you find yourself in the same situation we are in, that by sharing our story, all the fun, and all the mess, challenges we are experiencing, it will give you some inspirations, laughs, and community, knowing you are not alone in this mess. We appreciate you spending time with us. Let's dive in. Welcome to this week's episode of Blended, Blessed, and Always a Mess, where I think you're going to really get what you want from this episode, because I'm not going to have to talk too much. You're going to get a lot of anti- <laughs> He's the intro and the wrap-up. Intro wrap-up, yeah. I may just add a few things in the middle. But Angie's had a a really great week from an aspect of the pre-release of Feathers Matter and also her big women's event in Nashville that she's going to talk about. So finally, some opportunities this week to fill her cup up a little bit. And, you know, not every day is perfect. And there's there's still a lot of mourning in that. But it's been a week in which some good things have happened. And let's start by talking about the pre-orders of Feathers Matter, your first children's book. I know. It's so it's so crazy. I First of all, I so appreciate all the love and support that we've received from the release. I'm super excited to just, I want to see like a parent read it to their kid for the first time and see like the reaction of it, because I think it's a beautiful story. It's a true story, but written for a child. And I think it's a great tool for parents to create conversation with their kiddos. So I want to see how they respond because the message is about growing through the challenges that you face. Mm-hmm. And it could be such little things for for kiddos, but to build that recognition that a lot of times when someone's treating you poorly, which will happen, it mm-hmm. happens to everybody, that that's more a reflection on them than it is on you. And you get strength from facing those challenges. And especially if you can take that and you can help other kiddos, other friends. I think it's it's a society now where it probably is harder for our kids than it was for us with all the technology, with all the social media. They're constantly being, I mean, they have to worry about a picture they post. I mean, when we took a picture growing up, you had to take it to the store and develop it. Nobody else saw it unless you had it on display. These things are happening in real time to them. We go back to when the war in Ukraine started. Our kids were learning about that through TikTok, through other kids on TikTok. So the world is so much more connected now and they face so much adversity on a daily basis that I think what your book is going to do is really give them an opportunity to see that you have to face it. You can't run from it. There's no safe space for it. It's face the headwinds, fly through the headwinds, because that's what makes birds fly, planes fly, all of those things. Yeah, and I think the other thing that is scary to me, because I saw it with Hallie too, is that they get kind of used to it, and so then they can't recognize it. They Mm -hmm. can't recognize when they are being treated poorly. It's subtle, or it's a constant, and so they just kind of get immune to it. And I think the biggest thing for me is my message is do not put your worth or your value in the hands of another human. And I think that's extremely difficult, but I, if you have a higher connection with yourself, 
to where you can easily recognize it. You know your value, you know your worth, and you have a strong connection and belief in your faith, then that you are more in control of your worth than letting someone else define your value. Mm-hmm. And I see it over and over. I see it in young girls. I see it in adult women. I, I'll be honest. I, I've struggled with that my and, whole well, life. And I, you know, I'm female, so I tend to gravitate towards women. I see it because I can more relate to them. But you're right. I mean, it's also, it's a male thing too. It's not just. Yeah, I've, I've struggled with it my whole life, right? And, and until you really realize that, you know, for us, we, we believe in, in God, Jesus Christ, that that's, that's you know, the ultimate and I'm still, that's a work in progress for me. But it, you have, you personally have put your worth previously mm-hmm. in other people. Correct. And, and, and it fails when, you. It does. <laughs> yeah. So when, so when we met, it's like, that was, I needed you to be a whole person and I need to be a whole person, which I struggle with a lot of things, but I don't feel like I struggle with my value or my worth. Like I know I know what I can do, and I I have built that over time of this independence on self. Now, where I had to learn and grow is to put my faith in God and not feel like I am the one that is responsible and in control of everything. But I think if you can get to that point, you're less likely to put your value in someone else. Sure. So that's why I'm so I'm so passionate about women empowerment because I see it over and over, you know, and gosh, Hallie did not she did not see her her worth. I mean, I remember her potential, her value, and because of people that she had around her that subtle teardowns needed her to feel less so they could feel more. I remember it taking her to was lunch. So painful. As a freshman taking her to lunch, just the two of us, and just saying to her... Freshman in college. Freshman in college. Like, you are worth more than you're getting. And I I can see, knowing you for a year, that you don't see who you really are. You don't see your value. You're not being lifted up. I mean, she was crying, right? And then for a while, she didn't want to go to lunch anymore. She was afraid I was going to have to talk. We had to actually, like, I had to tone down, like, things that we would talk about because, you know, it upset her. Because I, I was hitting a nerve that she knew because was... Because she knew. She knew. And, you know, no one wants to be not called out, but for someone to recognize their hurt, you know, it, yeah. it, it hurts. It brings those feelings back up. And I do think deep down she knew that. I mean, but I think it's so hard to believe it when you have not felt valued. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah, I think what you're saying is absolutely right. Cause you know, now that Hallie's been gone 10 and a half months now and we've talked to so many of her friends they they say the same thing. They saw the same thing that we saw. And so it's the book. That's what it's about. It's about empowering people for you, especially young women, but people to see their true worth, their value and, and who they can really be. Yeah. Gosh, I've realized this over just the last couple of weeks because the women empowerment is like the one thing that I have found that has really filled my cup, especially I recognized it in the last couple of weeks. I've had some conversations with some other female leaders of just around like, what can we do to really create that community for women? And it's, it's something that like sparks the level of like not joy, but like, okay, I, this is something you're I making can, a difference. Right. And, and I think when, 
when your cup is so empty, then you can easily recognize what starts to fill it up mm-hmm. because it's been so empty. And it gives you kind of that energy that you haven't felt in a, in a long time. And I do think that that's the, that's the gift of grief is clarity. Whether you wanted that damn clarity or not, like you instantly know what really matters and what you can control and what you surrender to. And so that leads me to this week, as as Eric mentioned. So I work for Worldwide Technologies. I've had some people on social media ask, what is WWT? And WWT is a global technology company. They're headquartered in St. Louis. Massive company that a lot of people not heard about. We are minority owned, but it's it's a global global company. And I've been on the sales side for eight years, so since I've joined. And we do we do a lot of customer events. And a couple of years ago, I pushed for the creation of a female only customer event because we do a lot of events, a lot of, but they're geared towards guys. It's golf, it's car racing, it's bourbon tasting, and all those are fun. But it's not something that fills your cup, right? We as wanted, a female, as a female, right? Because dude, you, know, you love it. I'm like yeah, let me go golfing. You might not care. Yeah. So. It, it was one. The vision was to create a space for each other to learn from each other, to building community, to empower, to give back. And so this was our second event, our second time doing it. I mean, it was a little bit different than the first time. So we had a different guest speaker. We had a different location. It was in Nashville instead of Houston. Different topic. And and this time I had a segment with the guest speaker after she had her her talk and. And that's kind of what I wanted to share with our listeners is what that topic was and then kind of that interaction and what I shared. I asked Angie about it last night. She was kind of going through it. I love this. I love everything that you talked about. And I love the fact that, you know, I get as women, like you have to build each other up and and stand next to each other. And that's, you know, being around you starting in 2019 was the first time I had seen a woman that was so passionate and and was able to do that for other women. Women gravitated to you. Like you didn't bring divides between women. They gravitated to you because you, you are always building them up. It's more about them than it is about you. And so I always loved that. And I think you've continued to give that through your grit with grace event. Yeah. So our look, last year we had, thank you for that. Um, last year we had Brooke Baldwin, who was a previously a CNN reporter and she wrote a book about, called The Huddle, which is a great book to read. It's about we're better together. We're stronger together. And women can do amazing things when you get rid of the sharp elbows and you you come together. So this year, we actually, it was her bestie. We had Natalie Kuhn, who is a co-CEO and founder of The Class, which The Class is a global digital wellness company that focuses on your physical and mental health, but having you reconnect with yourself because you don't really realize how much you are carrying inside your body, the weight, the stress, anxiety. And so it's work online workout classes, but more geared towards you letting go of stuff, the shit that you carry every day that's not necessary because we're not really in control. Mm-hmm. And, and then also, you know, building mental and physical strength. So she had an amazing talk. And it was really about how most people only show a sliver of themselves. They only allow a little bit of themselves to be revealed and they hide everything else. And it 
And it was like, if you can just be open and show your humanity, you are giving someone else the power to allow themselves to show you're, they're, you're giving them permission because you've done that. And I, and it, when she was talking, it reminded me of Eric because that's, that's Eric. He, that was my draw to him instantly is he was so open and shared every, I mean, he shared his soul. I feel like on, too open at times on day three, <laughs> like, wow. Okay. I know everything about you, but it allowed me to connect with him at such a deeper level and I have, I'm not that way. I'm more of, I'm going to show you a sliver of me. Originally, I was like that. Yeah. You have really come a long way, especially in the last year. Yes. But yes. I used to be that way. And I'm learning how to show more of myself. And it does, you do, you, it allows people to connect. So she shared her story and we did this amazing exercise of like meeting someone at the very beginning of her talk. Everybody introduced themselves to each other at the table. And then after she talked and we did some other exercises around letting go, she was like, now I want you to reintroduce yourself to each other. And people were hugging and crying. And that's so cool. It was so cool because you connected with yourself as a human instead of walking into a room and I'm the director of blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Why are we here? I go back. I'll take this back biblically in the original Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, there were no secrets. You walked around naked. There was no anything. And it's not until they eat of the apple that now all of a sudden there's shame and there's guilt and there's sin in the world. And that's when we close off because we don't want other people to see if they know the real me, they won't love me. But when we actually allow people to see who we really are, we could find that they're dealing with a lot of the same struggles. And that's where the connection is built. Yeah. She was so, so inspiring. So Oh, gosh. After she spoke, then she was like, okay, now I, Angie, I want you to come on stage and we're going to just do a little Q&A. And so the first thing she asked me was, okay, the sliver of you that everybody knows is that you're director at Worldwide, but who are you really? So I shared with our, with the 40 plus women in this room that I actually have multiple names. So none of, most of these women don't know me at all. You're just Angie. <laughs> I'm just Angie. And they got the emails about the event from me. And that's what they know. I was videoing them getting off the bus. Like they, one person later was like, I just thought you were like the videographer. <laughs> <laughs> nope. That's the sliver that you saw of me. So I, I shared, I have multiple names. Like first and foremost, my name is mom and I have three beautiful kiddos, Hallie, who's 20 and the twins that are almost 15. And then I said, my second name is bonus mom or really Nancy. Mm -hmm. So they kind of looked at me goofy. I'm like, I know, I know it's weird. But if you've ever watched Step Brothers, Nancy is the bonus mom and her outlook on kiddos is like, oh, you burnt the house down. Great. Cause you weren't together as a team. <laughs> like I even, I even responded to Nancy. Like it was in Target the other day and someone said Nancy and I turned like they were talking to me. Like, That's how messed up that is. <laughs> but I'm like, there are three kiddos I didn't even know that I needed in my life. And then I said the third name is probably the most meaningful name and that's mama bird. And so I shared the story about Hallie you know, coming home from high school saying, mom, do you know how I describe you to my friends? And I had shared like, when you go through a divorce, which, you know, quite a few women in there had been through a divorce. The speaker had been through a divorce. It's like you, 
you lose your identity and you have to rebuild and you have to reconnect with who you really are. And you lose a lot of your confidence in yourself. And, you know, you still going through a divorce is, it's traumatic in a lot of ways. It's traumatic for you. It's traumatic for your kids. And so that instantly ran through my mind of like, oh God, what is she going to say? And that's when she was like, you're mama bird and you teach your baby birds to fly. So I kind of walked through that. And then I said, another way to describe me is I love control and I've always had to be in control. Growing up in a large family, you know, you had to fight to be seen, to be heard. I mean, sometimes physically fight. (laughs) I've had a lot of fights with my brothers. And I mean, I would win if I would scratch them. Those were nails were always a thing. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I could hold my own though. And so, you know, you you had to be in control of who you were. And then, you know, going off to college, I had to be in control for that and figure out my way and how to get it paid for and all of those things. So it was fight and control. And then going in the technology field, again, you had to be in control to move up in the organization and control of your career and all those things until I wasn't in control. And, you know, then I shared that the weekend of Thanksgiving, I got the call that no one ever wants to get that Hallie had been life flighted. She had been shot and just, you, you immediately go into this control. Like I remember instantly thinking, okay, I got to turn the oven off because I was making stuff for football game. And we were like, get the kids. This is what we're going to do. Like just go into action, control, control, control. And then you get to the hospital and several hours later, we learn two completely life altering soul sucking facts. And the one is that she wasn't going to make it. There's nothing they could do. And the second one was that she had been shot by someone else. And she was innocently sitting on the couch, watching the office and snapping with her mama. That's when you realize that you are in control of freaking nothing, nothing, nothing. I didn't get teary eyed when I was on stage because I was way too nervous, but I'm teary eyed now. Yeah, well, yeah. (laughs) And that's when you surrender. Like you surrender to all things because it's like. What choice do you have? You didn't ask for it. I didn't have a choice. Okay. Anyway, so that was the first question. (laughs) You can keep letting people know you. It's okay. And she went with that. Okay. So she's trying to get out of it. It's okay to go there, honey. It's okay. I know. It sucks. Yes, it does. So then the next question so the next how question. have your personal experiences shaped your perspective on grit and grace? Yeah, gosh, this one. I So I share with the group, like, grit and grace, when I created that tagline, it was about career-focused, right? It was about, like, you have to have grit, especially in the technology field, to fight, you know? And fight in a good way, not in a bad way, but, like... Be in control, fight to move up in the organization, to set goals, to achieve goals, to empower others, to build your team, all the things. Because our audience is VPs and execs in the technology space. Sure. Or on the business side, but mainly technology. But for me, grit now is to fight through each day to show up personally, to get out of bed, to put on that face for my kids, to keep like moving forward. But grace, women are the hardest ones on themselves. And we're terrible, terrible at giving ourselves grace. 
And I never did in the past. Like, I feel like I was always the hardest on myself. Yeah, I could see that. And I also was not good at letting people do stuff for me. I was the one that did stuff for other people because I was in control. I go back to when this all happened. This was a big, I was like, you have to let other people help us. People want to bring us meals. People wanted to come and sit, all these things. I'm like, you have to let them. Like, it's okay for you to be weak with these people and let them show up for you. That's, that's godly is to allow others to show up for you. Yes. And we talked a little bit about this at the event, even with Natalie personally off to, you know, before, before the event, her and I met for coffee, but it's like when you, I'm so used to doing stuff for other people and I always want to do stuff for other people. Like that's how I heal. That's how I feel valued is to help other people. That's what drives me. But then when someone does something for you, it's that acceptance and that surrender to let them do it because then I feel like I I need to in return do something for them. Mm-hmm. And then it like builds and it's letting go of that, that someone can do something for you and you don't actually, especially in a scenario like this, have to do something back. And I also have one of my friends whose daughter is the illustrator tell me like, you, it hurts people's feelings a little bit because they want to do something for you and then you don't allow. So that's that was probably the hardest thing is giving myself grace to let people yeah, to let people do stuff for me. But then also, like, I cry a lot now. And so I shared the story. Of, <laughs> when we met, you were not a crier. Hell no. I never cried because you know why? I was in control of my emotions. Yes. You know, you had and it felt like it was weak to fortress, cry. Yeah. Yes. But I cried one other time in front of my kids before this all happened. And it was when I messed up Summer's camp registration and 12 of her best friends were going. And I couldn't get her in. I scheduled her for the wrong date. And I was an effing mess. I couldn't even get words out. I was hiding in the bedroom, bawling my eyes out. And the kids thought my mom, the grandma Alice, had died. That's how bad it was. Because that's how bad... And I was literally in my mind, I was like, this is not that big a deal. And she's like, this is a huge deal. I was breaking Summer's heart. That's what I felt like. And it was the first time, get this, it's the first time I felt like I messed up something for my kids. And so she is losing her mind. And all the kids are gathered together like they just knew Grandma Alice had died. There was no other reason for Mom to be that upset. It worked out in my favor, honestly, because (laughs) they were so relieved that she was still alive. They were like, oh, well, that's not a... This in camp's not a big deal. Oh, God. Grandma Alice is alive. still Oof. upset, but it was a really, but. Now we use that all the time. It's like, yeah. <laughs> we messed something up. It's really bad. It's Grandma Alice alive. Yeah. Yeah, no. It's all about Grandma Alice. <laughs> oh, gosh. But so She's now like Dolly I... Parton. You save Grandma Alice. It was like when Betty White was alive. It's like, have we saved Betty White yet? Yes. That's where it is with Dolly Parton now. And in our home, that's where it is with Grandma Alice. Is everyone secure Grandma Alice? <laughs> Are the perimeters secure? Grandma Alice is safe? All right. Move forward. And I have to, the other part of grace is I have to give myself grace because of crying. Like I was in a store the other day buying a halter for Phoenix and the cashier said two things to me that I was like, oh my God, I just felt Hallie's presence. It was so bizarre what he said and odd. And it was just like, oh my God, like that's Hallie is like having him say that to me. And I walked out of the store bawling my eyes out and I n- normally would have been mortified Okay, all right, so what what did he ask? He said something about a necklace that I had on that no one had ever said anything about. No one has ever asked me about this necklace. And he was like, love the half moon. 
And I was just like, what? And it, it's so personal and it has to do with Hallie. But he, no one has ever said, oh, I love your necklace. Or what's your necklace signify? Nothing. And it just like caught me off guard. And then I paid for the halter. It was like, give your friend a pet from me. Yeah. And it was like, oh my God. It was just weird. Yeah, it was like it Hallie's was so speaking weird. through him. Yes, that's what it felt like. Like, hey mom, I know you're gonna I know you're going to the Sea Phoenix, so give him a pet from me. Okay, so then I'm bawling as I go outside. <laughs> I go, this is so funny. So then I go out to the barn. And these three foals are in this pen together, this big pen. And they're like dogs. I mean, they want you to pet them so bad. They almost like attack you a little bit. And I'm still like, I'm very comfortable around Phoenix, but I'm still skittish a little bit. So I'm out there completely by myself. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not getting in this pen with all three of these horses by myself because they love me. Mm -hmm. And they're like all over me. And so... So I'm petting them through the fence. And so Phoenix is sticking her head through the fence so I can scratch her. And I'm like paying so much attention to her. I love looking into her eyes. I just feel Hallie so much when I stare directly into Phoenix's eyes. Like it's just overwhelming to me. So I'm like focusing on her. I have both of my hands around like on the side of each, you know, side of her face. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to zone in. And that other horse bit my freaking arm. <laughs> I mean, it caught me I know me so which horse. I know. Yeah. Guard. There's one. Yeah, it bit me a couple weeks ago on the back. And I'm like, how in the hell do I get bit and I'm not even in the damn pen? <laughs> it, I mean, right on the side of my arm. And it caught me off guard. I'm like, you little bitch. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's what? funny. That's funny. And then I started laughing. like, yeah, only, only Angie would get bit by a horse not even being in the pen with them. It's funny. Okay, so then she asked you, the tech industry often emphasized control and precision in achieving goals. How has your understanding of control evolved, especially in the light of the challenges that you and your family have faced? Number one, first and foremost, is you waste so much time worrying and stressing about things that don't matter. Mm -hmm. And I think within the career side of it, it's allowed me to really recognize what even in the workplace, what I can control and what I can't. And I used to worry and stress about so many things about work. And it's like, oh, my God, I'm not even in control of that. Like, yeah. Why would I worry about that? And I think that's when, you know, I had that grief counselor when we were down in Miami in February. It's January. January, February, where he had said, you know, well, if you allow it, grief can be a gift. And I'm thinking, Dude, are you high? Like, yeah, we're two months is out. This and a yeah, gift. This is living hell, and I would never wish this on my worst enemy. And I mean that to my core. And this is supposed to be a gift. I understand it now. Like, I really understand that you can function at a higher level to see the world for what it is and eliminate that stress and anxiety over the dumbest shit that we worry about. Because if you look at what you stress about, most of the time it's something that happened in the past or something that you're afraid of is going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. And if you can, it's just, this is so much easier said than done because I still struggle with it. I'll never, you'll never have it a hundred percent figured out, but if you can stay in the right now, it takes a little bit of the edge off, but it's just knowing what matters. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot that you can control. So I still fight for things, but I don't struggle to try to control what I can't. So it's a it's a letting a letting go. 
grieving is such an intensely personal experience. And a lot of times we feel like we have to shut off when we cross a threshold into work. How have you managed to integrate this very human experience into your professional life? And then what advice would you offer to other women in tech facing personal challenges in their work? Yeah, I had to think a lot about this one. And my my response to that one was, you just have to be you, like authentically you and nobody else. I remember so, you struggling hard when oh, you went back to work. my gosh. So in my mind, I thought it would be hard to go back to, like, you know, like, okay, this is going to be hard to go back to work. Like, just in general, you feel that. And then what I didn't realize, because I felt like I was ready to get back in it. I didn't want to miss too much of work and be that far behind. But I also was kind of like, okay, this would be hard, but I need to get back to work. I didn't realize how hard it would be to show up and be a new me. Mm-hmm. Like, I fought myself internally for probably two or three months of, trying to be the old boss that I was. Yeah. I couldn't find her. You know why? Because she's freaking gone. She's not here anymore. Yeah. And so, like, I remember so many times I'd be on calls and be like, do they, can they tell I'm different? Like, am I showing up different? Am I trying to show up the same person? Do they, do they, can they tell that I'm freaking super sad and I'm struggling on the inside? Can they tell that I've been crying an hour ago? Like, can they tell I'm teary eyed now? Like, I just, my mind would spin because I was trying to be this person that was long gone. And I, and I finally got to a point of like acceptance of this is who I am. Cause a lot of times I think people think you could leave work, like leave your home life yeah, off to can. the side and then go to work. And you can sometimes on minor things, but not on like complete, like unraveling stuff. And so it's kind of like, I got to a point where it's like, I'm just going to embrace me and who I am. And yeah, I'm different. And I probably will manage different and I will show up different. And maybe in some ways it's probably helped me a little bit because my give a beep. My give a dance busted. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Um, then she asked you share this piece in common. Some outside circumstance brought us to the place where controlling our own corner of the world became untenable. What has been the hardest lesson in all of that for you? Yeah, so her story is her fiancé's battling, like, stage four lung cancer. Mm. And it totally, like, they were living in New York, and they had to completely, like, in a couple days, move to L.A. because he got into a clinical trial. And and her and I both were, you know, totally aligned on this. It's like the actually, like, it's the letting go. Mm -hmm. Letting go and surrender, and that is the hardest thing, especially when you're carrying, like, this heavy, heavy sorrow, and you just you want it to like go away and it's not, you know, and it's like this acceptance is welcoming in almost of grief to know that like, that's always going to live there. Yeah. You've done a better job at this than I have of realizing that the life we had planned isn't coming back. And, and that's been something that's taken me longer to realize. Yeah. And that's kind of where you, you, I feel like, I don't know that say you've done a good job is the right word, but you've done a, a job of realizing and accepting it, mm-hmm. perhaps maybe that's the, way, the word you've accepted it much better than I have. Yeah, you have to you have to accept that the joy that you had before is gone. I mean, that's just the reality. Like it was taken from us, and we had no choice. And it's not coming back. Like there's there's going to be new joy, and there's going to be new things. But until you get to a point where you can accept that this is your life, that you've lost a child. That she's not going to be here physically anymore. And you can 
unfortunately, accept that awful, awful truth. Only then can you start rebuilding and start moving on. But if you keep trying to hold on to what it was before, you're going to be stuck and you're going to be paused in this life because you want what you had and it's not coming back. And I can just say to you personally, like, I need to hear you say that, right? I need that in my own heart to know, okay, we've said it before, but it's, I've got to accept it that that the old version of the crew isn't coming back. And so we have to redo it, rebuild it, whatever that looks like. And so even when you say it in this way, it's very powerful. Well, the other thing is like, it's also acceptance that they're still here. Mm-hmm. They're still here. Like I checked into the hotel. Want to guess what floor I'm on? Seven. Number seven. I mean, we went to brunch before we left on Friday to head back home, a couple of us girls, and there's this bird. We were sitting outside, and this bird flew right next to me. Then it, like, zoomed past us. Then it came back and literally stopped on and sat on this chair right next to me. And we're just like, hi, Hal. Like, it's this acceptance of, Mm -hmm. like, she's in a different form, but she's still with us. Yeah. And I don't think that you can see that unless you accept that she's gone. If you keep holding on to your loved one is, this is the life I should have had, then you're not going to be able to see that they are still with you. Yeah, that makes sense. And then finally, she asks you then in honor of your daughter and your own personal journey, what legacy or impact do you aspire to have with those you work with and connect with? Yes, this is when I shared about Feathers Matter and tied it back to Mama Bird. And the story about, about Hallie, it's about her and her life and the strength that she gained to reveal her gift. And I believe that we all have special gifts given to us, but until you can have that connection with yourself, and sometimes it is revealed during the challenging times, then you might not recognize what your capabilities are. Yeah. Yeah. So I surrender, I surrender and my control that I love to have is more about my fight forward. Yeah. And I'm not going to stop. No, no, we're not going to stop fighting forward for Hallie. And again, everyone who has already pre-ordered the book, we are so grateful. Just wrap by saying that if you haven't yet, you can order a book or stickers. The stickers are very popular that you got. It's of uh, one of the birds that our friend Kenzie Engelbrecht drew into the book. And it's very popular. You can get those at blendedblessedalwaysamess.com. Or this week, some people said, well, it's not on Amazon. Well, this week on October the 12th, Feathers Matter will be available on Amazon if you prefer that. And it's still it's still in the pre-order stage. So even if you order on Amazon, it won't ship until November 29th. Which is Hallie's angel date. And so that's when that will come. But uh, we do appreciate uh, all of you who have ordered the book. We think it's going to be a story that can really help people and, and, and your kids and grandkids and all those people that you're close to. So as always, we appreciate you listening, honey. I'm so proud of you for your second Grit with Grace. I, I really am. This week, I look forward to it because I know it fills your heart, fills your cup. And just to see you do what you do best, that's bring women together. I love it. And I'm so proud of you. So Thank you. great job. Thank you. Thanks to all of you. We hope you have a wonderful week and God bless. Thank you for listening to Blended, Blessed, and Always a Mess. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and at blendedblessedalwaysamess.com. Reach out to us on any of our social channels. We would love to hear from you. Have a great week.